0: And now, the Houston Football Show with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Brown. show. I'm Jason Braddock. Along with me, my co-host Aaron Wilson, NFL insider, also Texans insider. Before we get into that ladder, uh, we've got a full house tonight. Football's back. We're excited. We've got Jonathan Danger Cole. We've got Mark in the house. We've got uh, obviously Aaron and myself. Again, you know what I always say, this show, it's not your typical sports radio terrestrial show. It's one hour once a week, year long, we put the foot on the gas and don't let off till the end, no break. So let's get it started right now. We had to come on a little delayed tonight because Aaron Wilson is doing his job and that's what Texas fans want him doing. Aaron, what's the latest you're hearing yesterday? You had some workout reports coming in on the Texans. Uh, you expanded on that today. And then right before he went live tonight, what's the latest you're hearing with the Houston Texans?
1: Right, the Texans have agreed to terms with, wide receiver Chester Rogers, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, out of Grambling, and they also worked out uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback Kurt Bankert, former Green Bay Packers, I should say, tight end Daniel Helm, uh, wide receiver DJ Montgomery, and former Rice wide receiver Austin Trammell. So they worked out all those guys, and they agreed to terms with Chester Rogers, and they also considered very closely Willie Sneed and – DJ Montgomery, uh, who has interest from other teams as well. So they wind up going with Chester, and so they'll get it done with him. And now, you know, they're in a situation where, you know, they are adding a wide receiver with Philip Dorsett still sidelined. Dorsett is just been limited to individual drills. He's not able to do the full team
0: stuff. He got hit in the side, and he's just not 100% right now. Uh, breaking news as you hear Aaron Wilson, Mr. AFC South. Can we is it fair to call him that, Aaron? You've got four teams in the AFC South, and this is the third one Tester Rogers has played on. So he finds a home. He obviously loves I never the conference. About that. That's he, Yeah, he loves the comfort there in the AFC South. But making sense of this, we've been out there at camp, couple uh practices without pads, two padded practice yesterday and today. Uh, we've we've seen the wide receivers. We'll expand a little bit on more later on what we're seeing from each of the wide receivers who's standing out. But the move makes sense to bring in Chester Rogers because not only do you have Philip Dorsett, who Aaron mentions has been missing time throughout all of camp. Uh, you also got John Meche and the unfortunate news we talked about last week on on the podcast as well and so with this Chester Rogers really comes in and it makes sense not only for the Texans with the lack of overall talent behind uh, the top couple guys there for the Texans but it also makes sense for Chester Rogers to be able to come into camp fresh this late in the camp and still have a viable shot at one of those top three receiver spots is that fair Aaron?
1: Right. It is fair because, you know, you look at the wide receiver position, you've got Brandon Cooks, you've got Nico Collins and Chris Moore, I think, has had a nice camp. And so is, um, you know, Jalen Camp. But, you know, Chris Moore caught 21 of the 22 passes thrown to him last year. That's a great percentage. And I don't know if there are stats on percentage of targets to catches, but he's got to be in the top five, if not, you know, for that many attempts right up there maybe he's the best but that's a high percentage and you know he was not just you know catching short passes he caught a long touchdown against the New England Patriots so i think that he can get it done and philip dorce said i haven't lost any confidence in him he just needs to be healthy he's very fast very capable former first round draft pick so he's someone that can play and you know chester rogers he's just competition it's not like they're handing him anything and plugging him in saying okay you're you know, wide receiver three, he's just going to have to compete.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. But I think you mentioned the names there uh, and we'll touch on this a little bit more before we move on uh, to several other topics. We want to talk about week one that we've seen here at uh, training camp for the Houston Texans, but looking at that wide receiver pitching position, you talk about Nico, he's still showing growth here going into year two. They have uh, at Lovie Smith, you, you wrote about it on your Twitter page. Um, either today or yesterday, all of us running together now, Aaron. <laughs> and But um, you wrote about where Lovey, his exact words, if I'm not mistaken, was that he's the perfect complement to Brandon Cooks. And then behind that, you talked about Chris Moore, the 95.5% catch rate from last year. That's catch rates you only see for running backs typically. Aaron's done a great job of laying out all the different routes he ran and uh, that it wasn't just checkdowns and dump offs. And so you've got Chris Moore. And then there's another guy, you mentioned Jalen Camp. He had a, uh, a really good day yesterday. I also like Connor Weddington, who spent three years with Davis Mills at Stanford, 6'5 wingspan on a 6'1 body. He's had two strong days since the pad go, goes on. But you hear those names we just mentioned, those five or so guys there, Aaron. Chester Rogers is easily in the mix with those guys, right, at least the top three or four of those.
1: I mean, I have to see him really to, to know. That's fair where he'll fit in. He, you know, he's got to practice and, you know, see like, does he look good? I heard the workout
0: was good. And so we'll see, you know, what's up with him. Um, Okay. I I think that's more than a fair answer. All right. So before Aaron decided to blow up the entire rundown with breaking news, like he typically does, uh, I wanted to start this show talking about something that stood out to me and I'm sure it stood out with other members of the media and Aaron himself as well. Tell me, Aaron, about the difference in the players' attitude out there at camp this year. And do you believe that that mood change has more to do with Casario or Lovey's coaching style, or what are you chalking up to? And or, or well, do you even are you do you, do you agree that there's I think a, there's they've a signed
1: some guys that football is important to them and that they're talented, and that's a good combination. And I think they, in fact, I know they respect Lovey Smith and. Lovey is a former NFL coach of the year and former Super Bowl coach. So that makes a big difference, David Cully. And, you know, I think they put him in an unfair spot. He was a rookie head coach who had never been a head coach at any level of football in all of his years of coaching. So they were asking a lot, you know, that's a big leap to go from, you're not even a coordinator. He was a passing game coordinator. He was an assistant head coach, but he had not been in that seat, whether it's calling plays or running the entire football team and dealing with the media every day. He's a great guy, is a great guy, and Lovey, you know, is bringing a lot to the table, and I think that, you know, it is a major change. He's a large reason why the atmosphere is good, but even last year when they were losing, the guys liked each other. The locker room vibe was good. I think there was like one player that was very unhappy last year. No big secret. It was Charles Omenohu, and he was traded to the San Francisco 49ers. So Charles didn't like his playing time. And, you know, there were some other guys that didn't love their playing time either, the rotation on the defensive line. But it wasn't like he was this big malcontent. He was just, you know, wanted to play more, which doesn't make you a bad attitude guy. It just makes right. you someone that wants to play. So that keeping that in perspective, when you think about last year, there was like a couple minor things, Justin Reed and Chris Conley uh, and coach. Cull-
0: Hello, Aaron. Did we lose Aaron for a second there and worked hard.
1: They just have more talent now and people are more excited, more engaged, and they feel like they have a chance to do something. So that's different. I feel like when you talk to guys, the, Conversations are a lot of excitement where you know it's early in camp, of course, but Nico Collins catching a touchdown over Steven Nelson, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, today at practice, Davis Mills. He was six for six in the red zone. He threw nice. four touchdown passes. He was hitting Farrell Brown, he was hitting Brandon Cooks. We saw Damian Pierce get loose for a couple of long runs. We saw Darius Jet Anderson run untouched up the middle for a score. We saw some really good plays from the defense by John Grenard, who's coming off of foot surgery. I talked to John today, and John feels great. He's also really leaned up. He's down to 255 pounds. He ate very clean. He said, cut out the starches. He cut out the pizza. He cut out the burgers. He looks great. And he was eight sacks last year. So there's a ton of guys that you could say, well, something good is happening. You have a healthy Laramie Tunsil. You have Titus Howard in his natural right tackle spot. I'm not sure yet, you know, about Marlon Mack. I want to see more from him. Is he got it back or is that Achilles? I don't think it bothers him anymore, but is he going to regain his explosiveness? I thought right. in the spring he looked quick to me, but, you know, so far at camp, I think Rex Burkhead and Damian Pierce have looked a little better, but I mean, we haven't even seen a preseason game yet. So I, want, <laughs> right, I just right. everything, um, The linebacker core is faster, especially with Christian Harris being here 4 four. Absolutely. Uh, Jalen Petrie is all over the place making plays just really from a variety of angles. I think Derek Stingley has been as advertised. Uh, Those are some impressions and those are reasons, tangible reasons for the team to have good vibes. But. They had good vibes in a way with David Cully, but they also had the Deshaun Watson thing, which I think was more of a preoccupation for fans and media than for the players. Every player I ever talked to last year privately would tell me Deshaun is cool. We like Deshaun. We don't mind. He doesn't want to be on the team. That's on him. That's between him and the organization. They would separate that. No one was in his business. That wasn't an issue, Jason. That was a outside thing. And that's a big distinction. It's always, important to make is a distraction only a distraction because the fans and the media are preoccupied by it. Generally. Yes. I would venture to say in Cleveland that you hear the same kind of thing that they compartmentalize it and that they like Deshaun and they support Deshaun. So, but I would say that anything that takes anyone in the organization away from something that they should be focusing on, whether it's extra time that Nick Casario has to put into it or someone else Anything with that, it's not great. So it wasn't ideal, and that's over with. And he's a brown and he's you know dealing with the personal conduct policy right, and right all mm-hmm. those things. But the Texans, I mean, it's almost like team harmony. They have no drama and no expectations, like not high expectations, certainly, other than try to be, you know, more relevant, try to win five, six, seven games. I think that's all possible. The schedule is Tough, but the team is better. Uh, I did a story this week on Rashim Green, a pass rusher. I think he's very talented, and he could do some good things in this defense. And he's someone like barely anybody's talking about, but he could wind up starting. Opposite job, yeah. And about. we'll
0: get we'll get to some of those uh, other guys a little bit later uh, through the podcast here. But I love what you're touching on there. And one of the things when you were talking about Davis Mills, six for six in the red zone during that, and. A big part of that is not only Davis Mills' growth, but also you have this new OC comes in in and Pet Hamilton. And Pep has found success with Andrew Luck. He's found success with Justin Herbert. And we've seen him be extremely creative with the offense. And I found this quote from Pep when he was running one of those past NFL offenses where he says, the art of deception is a big part of offensive football. And when with that in mind and his past of not only running the West Coast, but having the uh, Don Coryell background with the vertical attacks, uh, running attacks with RPO, zone reads, pistol looks, with these different quarterbacks, I expect a creative, diverse offense for the Texans, even with Davis Mills being a, se- a year two. Do you feel as that? Or do you feel the same way? Or do you feel like they could go more game manager with what Lovey's had success with up in Chicago with Rex Grossman taking them to a Super Bowl?
1: Uh, I think they're going to try to be explosive. I think they're going to try to be pretty diverse, pretty creative. I think that it will be different than Tim Kelly's style. I do know they want to run the football, though. And that doesn't mean that you can't be creative when you're running the ball. I think there right. will be some RPO plays. I think they will have some of the stuff that they used to do, even with Andrew Luck, who was a really good scrambler for a big guy. Right, Davis exactly. is not really a scrambler, but Davis is mobile, and he's capable of running some of these plays.
0: And, and he's better outside the pocket than I think he's given credit for as well, too. Phil Bryant, and let,
1: tight end, And I think they'll involve the tight ends more than they did a year ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, how much you think we see them both on the field together, especially, you know, you see Chester Rogers sign. We talked about the uh, the wide receiver room and you've got these two talented tight uh, tight ends that can do different varying things all throughout the uh, offense. How much do you think we see a, a ton of two tight end sets with multiple alignments that that plays into that creativity?
1: Well, yeah, I do think there are some chances to do things like that. They have, you know, some ability to flex out. Farrell Brown can do that, but the one that's really suited for it is Brevin Jordan. And Brevin, even though he's about 250 pounds, he's pretty rocked up. He's a, a guy that's been in the weight room a lot this off season. He can move outside and create some mismatches size wise and quickness wise with linebackers and safeties. So that's something that they can do. They have that option. So there could be some, deals where they have a flex tight end they can also have either of those guys line up in the backfield as a fullback and so they have some really i would say a lot of guys that can do some things like darry Lawa. he can play uh in a variety of angles he can play you know different positions he's someone that when you think about everything he's capable of he can do some things out of the backfield they have nice. yeah. more weapons
0: rex burkhead is a good pass catcher there are options right right and um you talk about options one thing i want to touch on whether it's at that wide receiver position that running back position just the team at a whole but specifically positions of need, So, uh, more importantly, to depth when you talk about a 17-game season. We have talked in the past about the Texans holding that third priority and waiver claims all the way through week three of the uh, regular season. How much do you think Casario puts in these claims, and how much of a churn do you think we see this year on the bottom of the roster as we go into, I guess, year two of this quote-unquote rebuild, if you will?
1: Well, you know, he did utilize it. I think that it's something that he will still employ when there's opportunities. If he sees something that he likes, you know, like this tryout, he had worked out several running backs and then he wound up not signing anyone. They wound up sticking with Darius Jet Anderson, even after his legal issue, which is being resolved, I think is going to be resolved with a favorable outcome for him. Based on everything I'm hearing from his lawyer Uh, And the way that that has gone so far and even the comment from Nick Casario. So they looked at some backs. They created an emergency list. You know, he changed his roster. Uh, You know, I watched all of his patterns last year. Mm -hmm. He had a tryout almost every week. He changed his practice squad repeatedly. Uh, That was his biggest change.
0: Nice. So he just continues to use that practice squad almost like a, a funnel to the major right. club, you know, and so
1: winding down here now. But you know, hopefully no one gets it again. But you know, people still do get COVID. Kyler Murray, Pete Carroll, being some prominent NFL guys have recently had it. I think that Nick, you know, he's going to always look for the best. That's a Patriots tenet, where you turn the roster. If you go back to, I think it was Bubba Ventrone, he was on and off all the time, that roster. And so they just do stuff like that. Um, that's the style, and he has that style. And he was a part of what they were doing up there with making lots of changes. And I would think it keeps it competitive and it keeps guys working hard because if you let up and you're you know, the 51st, 52nd, or 53rd man on the roster, then you're going to get cut. And they're going to replace you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Aaron Wilson, Jason Braddock here on the Houston Football Shows. Episode two of our first season as Texans training camp has kicked off this past week at last two days with pads on. Tomorrow they also have pads on. You'll see Aaron Wilson, myself, back out there. Uh, You can catch Aaron's nose and my nose after training camp at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL and at Jason Braddock on Twitter. Keeping it rolling here, Aaron, recently you've written about Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, and how Lovey has called them like the best tackle duo in in the NFL, or at least up there in that conversation, going back and tying that in with what we're talking about with the pep Hamilton offense and how creative he can be with what you know about um, Titus and Tussle and their movement skills, not only being bigger guys, but also being athletic in their movement skills. Do you think uh, this offensive line now gives pep, a perfect blend to run the type of create uh, creative offense that he likes to run. Well, yeah, because of the protection
1: that those guys can you know, apply, you have a chance with either of those individuals to set up time, and keep pass rushers, arms, legs, bodies off of Davis mills. But in the case of either one, they can block downfield. They can lead interference on a screen. They are both very mobile, especially Laramie, very athletic. Titus is in really good shape. I think they have an opportunity to have two special tackles and have the tandem that they've been hoping to have for a couple of years now, now that Titus is back at his natural right tackle spot. That could be a real strength. He said this is the best position on the team. You know, I would say he's right because think of another spot where you could say that they have two really – plus starters at wide receiver. Yes. Brand cooks is excellent, but Nico Collins still has some things to prove. None of the tight ends are stars. You know, they're all good, but that's not fair. Starters. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I mean, you know, there's no pro bowl defensive end. Right. And then at linebacker, no one is a stud. There are good linebackers. Derek Stingley, you know, hasn't played an NFL game yet. So his assessment, I mean, he's, it doesn't take a, scouting guru to be able to reach a conclusion that he's absolutely right.
0: Right, right. And staying on that offensive line, again, there's a lot to be excited about with Tunsell and Titus. Um, not only the book and t- tackles there, but now you might have on those two guard positions guys that can come in and really solidify those jobs. The free agent from Jacksonville, A.J. Kahn, comes over this offseason. And the rookie first-round pick, the second of two first-round picks for the Texans, you mentioned Stingley. Also, the local Atascacita kid, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, you've covering him a lot this offseason as he's worked back from injuries. Day one in pads looked like he was trying, you know, there's going to be some struggles coming back with the heat and condition and all that, but today, to me, he looked like a completely different dude and is already uh, starting to make that progress and felt comfortable uh, with those starter-level talent around him. What's your impression, um, uh, impression from what you've seen from Kenyon Green as he's worked back from this injury? You
1: know, Kenyon had a Lateral collateral thing. Um, he had the surgery and he has made a full recovery. I think he looks very good. Uh, I don't think he has any issues anymore with the knee. And he's excited. I was talking with his father, who was at practice, and his agent. And they are very excited, very enthused about what he can do this year. And they're very close to him, obviously. The team is going to start him and he's going to line up and he's going to learn a lot playing next to Laramie Tunsil, and he gives them a lot more athleticism, size, and power than what they've had in the past with Max Sharping or Lane Taylor or Justin McCray. They have a legitimate first-round pick here plugged in at left guard, and that was a really big area of need. And between him and A.J. Can, they've got some guys that they can kind of hang their hat on. I think that the football situation is a lot better for the line. Kenyon Green is a good addition. He kind of flies under the radar just because of the position he plays. But, yeah, I think his knee is fine, and he just needs more reps and more time because he hasn't been full go as long as some of the other guys.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Aaron talks about it being a good situation for the line there, and uh, I, I I definitely see eye-to-eye eye with him. I agree with this. I think it's the most complete offensive line, a different line, obviously, different style, but the most complete offensive line we've seen in Houston since the Kubiak years. You all remember when Bill O'Brien came in, he wanted bigger, stronger SEC guys, and they started changing away from the zones, and there was holes in that offensive line. Uh, for the most part, up until – what we've seen this year, and again, we're talking about a rookie and a free agent being plugged in there as well. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but it's, it is a time for Texans fans to be excited about that that offense with those young three trinity of offensive weapons and Damian Pierce and Davis Mills uh, and um, oh, Brevin Jordan. And you can also throw Nico Collins in there if you have like what you've seen from him as he continues to transition. I really like the day he came off of today. Um, now, you mentioned last week. People were interested about Derek Stingley Jr., Aaron. And I think you surprised people when you said, man, he's looked 100 percent and cutting and running and putting uh, pressure on these cuts and exploding out of it. Uh, I think you surprised people present company included last week when you said that. And I was still surprised to see it at camp. Were you still surprised to see how well he looked or is this what you've been preaching um, for the last couple of weeks?
1: Well, Derek Stingley hasn't really surprised me. I think that you know, he's been as advertised, and he's a student of the game. He spends time after practice with Brandon Cooks working on things. He gave up a couple of catches to Brandon, who's one of the uh, better wide receivers in the league, and so he wanted to learn from it. So he got some advice. He spent time. That is a really good indicator of someone that's going to keep improving, that's already good but wants to get better. You know, attitude is a big part of sports and life. And right.
0: he has the right attitude. Yeah, absolutely. He is
1: someone I feel like is just unfazed by anything. He's a very low-key, workman-like approach. And all of that bodes well for future success and immediate success. I think he's got what it takes.
0: Now, I think Stephen Nelson staying in that secondary guy's personnel I really liked is Stephen Nelson. But I think uh, I think he made have took something. I asked him the other day the wrong way. I was asking. We've talked about possibility of Derek Stingley mirroring uh, opposing number one wide receiver, shadowing, following whatever you want to call it. And I asked Stephen Nelson, um, like. So there's talk about Stingley mirroring opposing number ones. How do you feel like in that role? And he's like, well, you need to study up on me. I've taken on opposing ones. i played left he's side, right, right side <laughs> field. And and as and well, I know that. I mean, anybody who's studied yeah. prospects for totally a while. Uh, and, but it, it's funny to me, though. And I like his response because it just shows you that personality and that dog in him that's like, study up on me. I like that response. And you see it on the field because he's impressed. He's in your face and he doesn't down from anybody but going back to that point though who do you think is do you think one of these guys are taking on number ones this year do you think it's stingley do you think it's nelson or do you think they're going left corner right corner
1: the plan the original plan was to make him the shutdown guy and to match up And I don't think that they've backed off of that. unless By him, you mean
0: Stingley or Nelson? Stingley, Stingley. Okay, okay.
1: I think unless he's not ready, if he shows them some deficiency, then they could change that plan. But, And I don't know how much. That's something that when they drafted him, that was the plan. They didn't pick him to make him the number two corner. They drafted him as a number one corner. And that's how Lovey wants to operate. So I expect that to happen. And, you know, we'll see when they play a game, who does he match up? And we may not know in the preseason, but we certainly will know when they play the Colts. If he's out there against Michael Pittman, then yes, that's what they're doing. But uh, we'll be able to tell. Uh, I think, and I'm sure we'll have been able to ask that question between now and then to follow up and see, is that still the plan? I think he just, he's just he got to get his feet wet. He's just, you know, he this is his first – few full team practices and so everybody just has to kind of keep it in perspective and see well what do they do how does he look but that is the plan and you know
0: i think he'll be up to the task he's aaron wilson i'm jason braddock we've got couple more quick segments here before we get you out of here in the next couple minutes. Thank you for tuning in to season 1 episode 2 of the Houston Football Show where we pair a former Houston sports talk radio host with a Houston NFL NFL insider in Aaron Wilson and myself Jason Brady check in every Tuesday year round as we keep you locked in with all the latest inside information, evaluations and analytics uh, on your Houston Texans. Before we get out of here a couple players I want to ask you about on that defense. You talk touched on Jalen Petrie a little bit, and you mentioned, and it's funny you mentioned this because my notes are Jalen Petrie has been all over the field. I think just a couple minutes ago you said Jalen Petrie has been all over the field. I can't put out enough hyperbole on how much I love what I've seen from Jalen Petrie. Everything you said about Derek uh, Stingley Jr. is correct. He looks great. He's Everything's been advertised, but Petrie is the guy that I'm so bullish on, and I'm not saying he's going to be better in Stingley. I don't believe that. I think he will be great and I think he will be a stud year one. Calm me down, Aaron, and tell me I'm too too hype on him after just a couple of days of training camp.
1: Yeah. Well, gotta let him obviously, you know, play in a real football situation. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Bike. We saw him blitz today. We saw him in coverage. We saw him knock out some push-ups after he thought he should have had that interception. Yes. Um, when he got his hands on the football, I think it would have been you know, not a easy catch, but you know, he's definitely accountable doing the push-ups. And you look at him, and he can play a lot of spots. Uh, right after they drafted him, I asked him, I've heard that you – try to pattern your game after guys like Tyron Matthew, Buddha Baker. Those are good role models to have. If he plays anything like those guys, then they've found something. My expectation is that he will become a starter and he Mm -hmm. will be very productive. He's got some pop as a tackler, but he's smart about who he takes on and how he tackles to preserve his body. But he's someone that can bring people down and he's, not afraid to stick his nose in there. He's got range and he's smart and he can see the field and read the quarterback's eyes. And I think he's going to make a lot of plays. He's played a versatile role for Dave Miranda and Baylor. He's played the star. He's played a bunch of spots. Do you think that's what he will be in
0: Houston? The star position is all everybody's talking. Vance Joseph, former defensive back coach. I I think
1: They got to get him comfortable at one thing, I think, first. Okay. And once that happens, then you can evolve. But we'll just, you know, we have to see his development, his evolution as a rookie, and they'll give him all that he can handle, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to that secondary this year. You should as well. But let's go back to that front seven before we get out of here. Last thing on the night, I want you to let the listeners know about these two linebackers, one that I think had a lot of hype coming to this after being drafted. You touched on a little bit in Chris Harris. And uh, first two days really didn't notice too much. Since the pads have come on the last two days, he's really starting to pop. You see that speed that you've been talking about. First on Christian Harris, do you think he'll be an instant contributor? And before we get out of here, let the listeners know, you know something that I've been blown away by, maybe not so much yourself, Aaron, but all the rave reviews on Garrett Wallow at that linebacker group and what all the teammates, fellow linebackers, Kirko, uh, Kamlu, all of the different guys praise Wallow and his ability to play all three right. linebacker positions as well. Yep. And I'll let you let's make wrap that. up
1: with the, this the take on the linebackers. I think that Christian, who's got 4 4 speed, one of the highest. A composite index for athletic scores of any young defensive player to enter the league this year. He's someone that was a safety converted to linebacker. He's played a lot of positions in high school. He had three sacks in the national championship game and a couple of forced fumbles. He worked with the ones a little bit today, and that's a big sign. And he's in a competitive situation with Garrett Wallow who can play Sam, Mike, or Will. And I think that they're going to use several linebackers. At some point it may be where they have to think about getting one of those veterans off the field, whether that's Christian Kirksey, or whether that's Common Granger Hill, it's going to be competitive and this youth movement can happen. So that's something I would keep an eye on. How did they work it? Is it going to be one of Wallow or Harris as the third starter? Are they both eventually going to play? Or are they going to use two linebackers in a lot of these sets? Cause they don't always have three linebackers on the field, but it's a good problem to have. This is not a problem they had a year ago where we were wondering, do they have enough linebackers? They have enough linebackers now to run this four, three and wallow and Harris are off to good starts. Wallow is not as twitchy and fast. He's built up his body. He runs very well. He's very instinctive. He's a good tackler. Uh, He's good at almost everything. He's got great hand-eye coordination. I went to a charity dodgeball thing, and he was the best dodgeball player there. He's a very good athlete, and he has very high character and football character, and he's someone that the Texans are really proud of. They feel really good about him. He won an award last year for his community involvement and a really, really good young man that – people think very highly of. So yeah, Garrett Waller out of TCU fifth round draft pick. They're starting to see that growth from him and him and Harris and all these guys. It's a tight bunch. It's a good group. And they have got some talent at the position. And now that Hamu is healthy again, they've got an off the ball linebacker that makes a lot of tackles
0: for losses. That's the Texans NFL insider for you. Who's breaking it down enough to where before the show goes live, he gives you the latest breaking news on who your team is signing, and he ends it by telling you about one of your favorite young linebackers, dodgeball. The the dodgeball. I didn't see the dodgeball coming, so next time I see Garrett, I'm going to just throw a wrench at him at practice and say, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. All right, he's Aaron Wilson. Thank you for your time, Aaron. I know you've got a run. We're going to let you go ahead and hop on off now, because Breaking more news, you got to follow up on the Justin Rogers. Thank you for the time. He'll be back out at Texans camp tomorrow morning. Be able to check out his tweets at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. I'll be out there with him, and we'll be back next week for episode three of the Houston Football Show. Thank you for tuning in and checking this out on YouTube, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Apple, all the different platforms. Follow us year round and continue to check out your Houston Football Show. Till next week.